Our first movie tells the story of a friendship behind prison walls that spans more than 20 years. That's a great intro for the podcast. Go from there. Oh, uh, welcome to episode five of Millbrot Madness. I want to fucking break my own arms off. Uh, my name and, is Daragane. And I'm Michelle Arf. Um, I'm going to save the joke I did this episode uh, for next episode. Because this is our second time recording this episode because Derek doesn't because like recording episodes very much. I suck and I deserve the guillotine. I wouldn't go that far. Oh, man. Uh, oh, God damn it, Michelle. We are already doing this podcast for four years, and we can't start doing shit twice because I don't press record. Well, if we didn't do it twice, we wouldn't do it at all. So, this week, we have uh, some matchups for everybody. We have um, some silent films. We have some Indian films. We have perhaps the greatest noir of all time. And we don't have the surprise of last episode anymore because we're recording this immediately afterwards. And we won't have Derek's reaction to something I'm going to say later on. But... I mean, I could still. I, I, those feelings are still genuine. Okay, you can you can bring them up. You can be method for this one. Oh God! I uh, <laughs> all right. So this is what, what the fuck are we doing? Okay. Oh, uh, this is a all podcast right. where we go through the IMDb <laughs> top two fifty. I'm taking over Derek in his distress, um, and uh, we're taking a look at the IMDb top two hundred and fifty films of all time, and deciding which one's the best. You know, some of the movies are good, some movies are bad. Uh, that's how movies work. Sometimes you. It, you got to know when to hold them, got to know when to fold them, got to know when to watch Three Idiots. Uh, Derek, do you want to tell people what our matchups were for this episode? So here are two matchups for today. Uh, Three Idiots versus Sherlock Jr. and Modern Times versus the Maltese Falcon. So uh, this is the point in the episode where we would engage in uh, patter about these movies which would feel very ungenuine coming from me at this point. So let's get right into the, our first matchup. Yeah, sure. So we have Three Idiots, uh, released in 2009. Uh, number 91 in the IMDb Top 250, which is pretty high for a movie I didn't know existed before we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Directed by Rajkumar Hirani and winner of the National Film Award for... Uh, this is a good-ass good ass category. For Best Popular Film... Providing wholesome entertainment. Sure is. <laughs> Very wholesome. Uh, we'll, we'll get to why that is funny in a second. Uh, movie stars Amir Khan, R. Madhavan, uh, Sharman Joshi, and Karina Kapoor. And a pretty big hit making, uh, if my uh, if my calculations are correct, to the, something to the tune of... Uh, ba, 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 ba. Are you right? Oh, yeah. Uh, in the neighborhood of $70 million American. Uh, $90 million American, I had. $90 million American. So, yeah. Uh, Certified smash. Blockbuster. A blockbuster, would be fair to say. At the time, it was the highest grossing Indian film ever. That's not nothing. Not nothing at all. And uh, let's see. I'm I'm looking at the list of highest grossing Indian films of all time. And there's been a lot since then. Holy crap. It's not even like... um, It's number 12 now. 
I mean, that's still pretty it's still pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I haven't uh, directed the twelfth highest grossing movie in Indian history. So, uh, so and uh, that's the favorite going into this, and the underdog, as it were, is uh, Sherlock Junior. Directed by Buster Keaton uh, at the 166th seed. Uh, it's in the National Film Registry for what's for what that's worth, and it stars uh, director Buster Keaton, Catherine McGuire, and Ward Crane as the Sheik. And I think Sheik may have had a different meaning in the 20s than it does now. Sure did. This guy's just a regular thief. That guy just sucks. He's just a piece of shit. But you know who isn't a piece of shit? Everyone <laughs> in Three Idiots, except for the the guy who farts. So, um, <laughs> Three Idiots is oh, a three-hour-long coming-of-age comedy, kind of like just a frat comedy that also happens to be about how stress in Indian higher education leads to an incredibly high rate of suicide. Yeah, it's, it's like... If that sounds odd coming from me, it's even odder seeing it in the film. Yeah, I was kind of taken aback. Like, I still... At this point, can't really make heads or tails about it, but yeah, it's the shell of an '80s like like an '80s frat comedy with like jokes about piss and farts and you know there's a lot like, of jokes about underwear. piss. Now that I think about it, there's more than <laughs> more than even your average comedy's jokes about piss. Yeah, I mean, there's like one piss joke that I will get to in a second that I wish I had written, but there's a lot of jokes about piss. And there's I do about- want to say there's one piss joke that there's like a two and a half hour gap between when it happens and when it's called back to, which yeah, is just, that's a, a strange sentence to even say. But, and yeah, there's your, cause this is my first do do with like Bollywood, like, like a proper Bollywood musical. Me as well. And, and this movie in the first 15 minutes transitions from big, big, happy musical number about believe in yourself and everything will be okay. All is well, literally all is well, right into a fucking suicide. Like, and not just, oh, it's implied that someone killed themselves. Graphic. Graphic. Like, there is a there is a shot of someone's hanging body, and then they rack focus, and you can see the words, I quit, smeared in blood, or what I think is blood, on the wall in the far end of the room. And that is a left turn that I had a hard time wrapping my head and around, Michelle. That's followed by the main character, whose name is Rancho. Um <laughs> Which we didn't even talk about what that why that tickled us so in the last episode. So let's just say, um, in the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show, uh, they ch- are trying to solve someone's problem of getting them to getting their wife to accept a tarantula into their household. So their fun name for tarantulas is ranchos. Ranchos, and and they had no way of knowing that. Yeah, they would have no. Uh, I'm assuming that the brothers have not seen Three Idiots, but they should. They should. Um, because it's it's a weird movie. Because I wanted to say, like, uh, immediately after that suicide, there's a funeral we see where it's just this heavy downpour. And during that funeral, Rancho accuses the director That's of the right. school of murder. Yeah, just straight up. And not just, like, implying it. Straight up says... Like, that's his, that's his mic drop. It's like, it wasn't a suicide. It was murder. Because of like how he treats his students, because of the level of pressure he puts on them, that this is, he's essentially blaming him, which isn't altogether inaccurate, I would say, given the rest of the movie. But here's the thing. This Dean character is like a Dean character in a fart comedy with like goofy hair and a really, like a really like sort of comic effect lisp that he keeps using. And he wears his pants super like fucking, high, and Rancho yeah. like dresses up as him later and like makes fun of him. Yeah, this is a dude who's walking around with Albert Einstein hair and talks like Sylvester the Cat, 
who gets accused of murder in the first 20 minutes. And whose background is, is that his son committed suicide because of the pressure that he was putting on him. I forgot about that, too. Yeah. What the fuck is this There's movie, Michelle? There's some wild stuff that happens in this movie. It's... It does such tonal whiplash constantly, not constantly, but like regularly. There's, It's never as serious as that first cut to the suicide, but it is pretty weird later on. Like there's also another, there's an attempted suicide later on. There's an implication of another attempted suicide. There's, um... Michelle, I just realized. What? They find out that he killed himself with his own drone that he was working on. Yep. Did you not- they were gonna present. They were gonna present to him as a gift. Oh my god! Yeah, it's really fucking dark. Oh my god! But this movie is like has joyous musical numbers and fart gags. And the joke that I wish I had written is uh, goes something like this: One of the, du- the our protagonists gets soused, and they go to the dean's house and they piss in his mailbox and they call it pee mail, and that's hilarious. <laughs> but this movie has a body count and a piss joke that I wish I had written, which is wild. And it also takes place in two different eras. There's like a modern story and like here's 10 years ago where – and there's a mystery involved. There's like a central mystery of where did Rancho go Where's after he Rancho? graduated. And I knew pretty early on where it was going with that. Yeah. As soon as um, uh, the fart guy, as soon as he uh, uh, talks about a certain name, you're like, oh, I'm like, oh, that's who that is. I got it. But that doesn't um, that doesn't really take away from – the fun of getting there and the shocking thing i said to derek the first time we recorded this was that i loved this movie i think <laughs> it's this so, it's still so weird to hear <laughs> it is uh, and it's weird for me to say because this is a movie i went in expecting to not like it's not my kind of movie at all i don't like i don't like coming of age movies i don't like th- like fucking three hour uplifting movies about how good life is i don't <laughs> like musicals very much i don't like like frat comedies but this movie just enveloped me and was like so happy and so fun and so in, like joyful um, that not only did I like I really like it. I loved it. I loved the characters. I loved um, all the actors like uh, Amir Khan as uh, Rancho is so charismatic. Um, Karina Kapoor, as we discussed previously, is gorgeous. She's also super charismatic as well. Yep. She's a great yep. foil to him. And there's a part later on where she gets to do some great comedic acting when she's drunk herself. Um, yeah. And then, uh, and in a completely different register as the other characters who get drunk too. Definitely, um, Armadavan and uh, Sharman Joshi are also wonderful in their respective roles. Uh, Raju, especially, is we discussed previously. This movie is a lot like Ferris Bueller, and mm-hmm. he's kind of the Cameron character. But I think I like it even more than Cameron. I lo- I just loved this movie. I, it was so <laughs> it won me over in a way that I was not expecting at all going in. Cameron didn't spend half an hour in a body cast and have a musical number sung about him (laughs) after he tried to commit suicide. And you see, this is another crazy thing. You see his like body on the ground after he jumps out of a window and like all of his like limbs are broken. Yes. It's fucked up. And this is the same, like literally a little bit later, like he, like there's just more jokes. There's just more goofy fucking jokes that like essentially don't have any ramifications on anything. Yeah. It's such a strange mix of tones. It's, kind of wild but it, it it worked for me i i when we the, talked not at all about the fact that pia's sister gives birth and this is like 25 minutes of the movie and they have to create like a vacuum seal to pull the baby out of her in the middle of a rainstorm where the power has been shut down oh i just remembered that there's a there's another gag that i really really like uh-huh. that made me laugh out loud 
at the beginning of the All Is Well musical number, they cut, it's like two seconds, they cut to some dudes playing ping pong, and a guy sends the ping pong ball over the net, and as the ball lands, the table, the ping pong table splits in half. Yes. It's super cartoony, it's hilarious. And what the fuck is this There's like movie slide whistles in this movie. It's, yeah. it's a, it's weird, it's wild to say that there's slide whistle sound effects in the same movie as there's multiple graphic suicides and suicide attempts. We've gone over limit for this. No, this movie. we still have a minute and thirty three seconds. <laughs> oh shit! Really? Okay. Um, uh, it's uh, musical numbers were good. And cast this was is good. our second time talking about it, so there's a lot to say about this movie. Yeah. Um, kind kind of uh, kind of heavy handed thematically. Certainly. Kind of gets didactic a little bit. Um, but you know has its has its heart in the right. I don't know. I I still don't know. This is the second time I've talked about this movie, Michelle. I still can't make... I have no idea how I feel about this movie. You know what movie I do know how you feel about, though? What's that? I know how you feel about Sherlock Jr. Oh, and tell me about it. I think you like that movie quite a bit, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct in assuming that, because uh, this is... Uh, Sherlock Jr. Uh, is uh, came out during that God run that uh, Buster Keaton had. In the tw- and I think this is my favorite movie of his that I've seen. Because just on a pure, like, on a gag-to-gag, stunt-to-stunt level, it's probably, like, the greatest example of that vernacular of filmmaking at that point. I think, like, we're going to get to uh, to Keaton versus uh, Chaplin because uh, we got Modern Times uh, queued up for the next uh, match. But on a gag, on a technical stunt gag-for-gag uh, comparison, I think Keaton wins out. But there's one thorn this. There's this one thing about keaton and this 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 is happens here and it happens in the general i don't give a rat's ass about the romantic subplot to be fair i don't give a rat's ass about almost anything in the movie besides the jokes well there isn't a whole lot in this movie besides stunts mm-hmm. and like the meta film gags like if you ask me what are the themes of this film i guess dreams and i guess cinema but i don't think that's even what he was trying for i just i think he just saw that the conceit of a projectionist film projectionist dreaming himself into a movie was a wonderful way to get a bunch of gags in it's yeah it feels like just a collection of gags and like you could even say oh isn't work boring listen like work work sucks but charlie chaplin made one of the greatest work sucks movies of all time and we'll talk about it in a second so we can't really give him the advantage on that but the last half hour of this movie might be one of my favorite half hours of film straight up of all. It's incredible. The things he does, the, the the gags all work. Like, there's not a single joke that I'm not happy with. Like, I would, mm-hmm. I love every joke in this movie, essentially. And there's a sequence I totally forgot about until reading the plot synopsis as you're talking just now with the, like, exploding um, uh, billiard ball. So uh, there's like it's great. There's this bit, there's this gag where there's supposed to be this billiard ball that if it gets if it gets hit, it'll explode. And it's the two villains of the piece are trying to explode Sherlock Jr. with this billiard ball. And he plays an entire game of billiards, doing these crazy trick shots constantly. Like it should be hitting the ball, but it never does. It never moves. And then the denouement of that, the way it finishes, is also so wonderful. How does that? God, I just watched it. How does that end? He uh, he switches out the thirteen ball and he finally hits it, and you think it's going to explode, and it doesn't. Right. He, Slide he of hand. sets up what the punchline should be, and that doesn't come, and then the punchline comes later, and so it's so good. Uh, just him almost sitting on that chair and getting decapitated multiple times. Yeah, and the uh, the well, the fact that the uh, what is the 
the car he's driving at one point has like four wheel brakes and then he brakes and the all, the wheels all stop and the bottom of the car stops but the frame of the car keeps flying into a keeps lake going sure oh. and just just the shit with the train and like and the and and the not the water fountain but like the water like the little, like the water tower mm-hmm. where apparently you tell me he break he broke his fucking neck doing that in a very literal way yeah according to wikipedia he almost paralyzed himself doing that bit and still like we talked about it, he still finishes the gag like he gets up and finishes the bit he literally got up and walked away from from breaking his neck yes. which is horrifying to think about but also kind of admirable um he almost gets hit by a train he spends like a good five minutes just riding on the front of a motorcycle not realizing that the rest of the motorcycle isn't there mm-hmm. he does that amazing jump through looks like someone's body he just jumps through it yeah i still don't i don't know how he even did that it's seamless it's completely There's... seamless like even like we talked about uh i keep saying we talked about i'm gonna stop saying that so people don't sure. think about this great episode we didn't have it was an average episode at best but one thing we did talk about was the match cuts there's when he first enters the screen of the movie there's a bunch of editing match cuts on the screen that are so perfect that i don't even know how you do that it's just it's it's expertise it's all it is you could draw a line from like melias to because as far as like even, even, trick editing and like like Melies didn't get it right. Yeah, I was gonna say like even when I watch Melies films, I can see the choppiness a little bit. I I you can see the. I'm sure at that point in time it wouldn't I wouldn't have noticed because it was brand new. But the fact that I'm a pretty well educated audience, I can see where the cuts are and where like oh he had a person stand still and then he moves and stuff behind. Whereas in this one, it's so seamless that it you would it'd be hard to do it now. Like yeah, it, I mean, if you I were gonna do it now, imagine. someone would just do computer compositing because it'd be so much fucking easier. Yeah, I mean it's. It, I mean it's probably exactly what we think it is. It's probably cut, cut, cut. But like cut, like like before he's jumping. As he's jumping, they get that part of the wall removed mm-hmm. and they put the wall cut, put the wall back. But even if it's that, that's really amazing that it's still seamless. Yeah, and because there's a continuity of motion that continues through the fact that through these cuts, there's somehow the precise motion continuing through all of them, which also speaks to Keaton must have been such a consistent performer that they were able to get these exact motions every single time. I mean, this movie was, like, expensive for the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could probably afford five, six, seven, eight takes of something if it's very meticulous like that. But on the screen, and I'm just going to repeat what I said earlier, on the screen, this last half hour of film is just wall-to-wall amazing stunt work and everything. Yeah, it's... And it's, it's like, I think the perfect... It's the perfect Buster Keaton primer. If I was going to show anyone like, hey, like, what does silent comedy look like? I'd show them this. Yeah, I would agree. Um, It's actually magical, which is like it's, such a cliche thing to say. Movie magic is such a cliche thing, but this is an actually magical thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you were talking about we, we did Cinema Paradiso uh, in one of the last episodes. And that's a movie magic movie that you did not care for. I did not know. And yeah, this kind of takes it a bit differently because there isn't... There's, it's not nostalgic for anything. This is like, I feel like... This was probably cutting edge this, at the time. Yeah, this is like... I like going... This is like... This is going to the movies. This is like... This is like my job influencing my dreams. This is the culture influencing the way I, I sort of exist. And not, and not just kind of... There's... Cause, and I guess we'll get to this a little later when we talk about Chaplin, but there's not a lot of romance in this film in a figurative sense as well. It's very technical. Yeah, it's... I don't, this isn't an exact comparison, but it's kind of the... Uh, I just realized as I was going to make this comparison, this is the most niche fucking comparison, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, this is the Behold the Arctopus 
uh, to Chaplin's Weakling, if we're looking at medicine, like metal bands, like Behold the Octopus is so technically precise and perfect and incredible that it's like watching, it's, it's watching a high wire act uh, the entire time. Yeah, because there's clearly several, uh, several uh, places where uh, Buster Keaton could have just got killed. <laughs> yes, yes. How, how about this? I'll, I'll try, I'll try a niche comparison of my own. Okay. It's like Buster Keaton is kind of a 90s Chris Jericho. I fucking knew to, it was going to be wrestling. God damn it, Derek. To Charlie Chaplin's The Rock. Okay. Uh, I, I understood those people. I know who those people are. So I'm happy for that comparison. So uh, how are we doing for time for uh, Sherlock Jr.? Um, we have two minutes and 16 seconds left. Unless you just want to talk about wrestling more. Oh, I mean, I can talk about wrestling a little bit. I mean, sure, go for it. Um, I recently saw... Um, I didn't get the chance to watch... What was the last pay-per-view? I think it was Survivor Series. I watched the NXT... Uh, takeover show before that and i saw for the first time with my own uh, with my own two eyes the velveteen dream wrestle and who is the velveteen dream you may ask i am asking that right uh, now well he is a wrestler whose gimmick is prince he's prince but a wrestler i'm looking up images and i have to agree with you there and here's the thing he's phenomenal like he's really 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 good <laughs> okay. uh, and that was derek and that was derek's wrestling corner. i'll say here's the three things i know about contemporary wrestling Sure. So number one is that Shins- Shinsuke Nakamura is fucking Shinsuke rules. Nakamura. He is an excellent wrestler. Strong style, baby. Um, Asuka also rules. Also great. And um, Becky Lynch covered in blood is awesome. Uh, yeah. So- sometimes uh, there's a botch in the ring where something goes just an inch one way or the other. And instead of kind of hitting someone in a theater <laughs> way, you actually break their fucking nose. And... Then some, and but sometimes that's what makes you a legend, and I think that's part of uh, that's going to be part of the Becky Lynch myth. It happened to John Cena a couple of years ago, where he took a knee to the face by accident. And it also happened to the Insane Clown Posse. I believe it was Violent J of the Insane Clown Posse <laughs> when they were wrestling with. Uh, I want to say it was WWF. That sounds uh, right-ish. Maybe. maybe. It was either them or WCW. Yeah, it was one of those two. Uh, where uh, they were having a whole gimmick where part there was like a car involved, like a van, and he slid sure. off the van and like cracked his face open, like on the ground. Oh, no. uh, which is why, if you ever read uh, Shaggy Two Dope's autobiography, um, <laughs> you'll and why wouldn't you? Really? Why wouldn't you? You'll realize he doesn't talk about uh, his wrestling career very much because uh, it's widely known that there's a uh, what do you call it? Uh, they they had a What's that legal thing where you agree not to talk about it? A non-disclosure agreement? Uh, yes, a non-disclosure agreement about what happened there. But none of that's going into the episode. So, Derek, <laughs> let's talk about which of these movies is going to win. Oh, man. Uh, Three Idiots kind of baffled me. It kind of threw me for a loop because on the one hand, I didn't know what to expect. And I certainly didn't expect what I got. So I'm still kind of processing that. Whereas Sherlock Holmes, uh, not Sherlock Holmes, but Sherlock Jr. is... Um, it, like I said, I think it's probably my favorite Keaton joint of of his like classic run. Just the stunts and the gags, and it, it's 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 pantheon level. So Sherlock Junior, it is. Yeah, I mean, I I can't disagree with you. I think Sherlock Junior is the better film. I think that Sherlock Junior is an all time classic. Is worth every every accolade it's gotten. It deserves. But Three Idiots is Three Idiots. It's a fucking weird movie. I loved watching it. I. <laughs> I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to buy it on DVD and watch it multiple times. I'm just going to enjoy myself with it. And I'm using the first ever veto on <laughs> on Middlebrow Madness oh, to move three idiots ahead of Sherlock Jr. Oh, my Jr. God. Uh, <sighs> uh, 
okay. I mean, uh. and that's that's why we have the vetoes. I I wasn't sure when we did the first couple episodes. I wasn't sure I was ever going to use one. I felt like we would just have a smooth sailing the whole time. But I'm disagreeing with my own letterboxed right now and saying that I want three idiots to move ahead of like I the best Buster Keaton film of all time. I don't disagree with you. I don't think Three Idiots is a bad movie. Like I could see why it gets into the top hundred, even why it slots into like uh, the ninety first seed. I'm just like I don't think it makes it past round two because it's got to go up against one of these movies that we're going to talk about now. I mean, I'll have a whole new set of vetoes in round two, won't I? <laughs> oh man, I probably won't do that. I, I probably won't use a veto twice for the same movie, but you never know. I don't want to make any promises until we get there. I mean, Jurassic Park Vertigo is still in round God, one. Fuck. So don't don't count your chickens before they hatch. Uh, three idiots, uh, actually the favorite in this matchup, moves on. Yeah. So defeating Sherlock Jr. Next up is I think the hardest matchup of oh, God. that we've done so far. This is several kinds of unfair. Um, so here we go. Modern Times is the favorite, uh, thirty eight seed in the tournament. This is a. It's like as far as as far as favorites go, I think this is like a favorite for for the Crown, um, directed by Charlie Chaplin uh, in the National Film Registry as well. And uh, if we're using if we're using adjusted figures in two thousand eighteen dollars, uh, twenty seven million dollar box office on a twenty nine million dollar budget. So not a flop, but it didn't quite make its money back. Yeah, I was, I got distracted because I was looking at the National Film Registry. And um, do you know what the most recent film? That's in the National Film Registry is? Here's um, a hint. It's by one of my favorite experimental directors. See, I think when you say experimental and what I think experimental is, is two different things. Okay. So I'm going to go and say, uh, I don't want to expose myself as a dunce. Uh, I'm going to go with Satan Tango. Uh, no, actually. Oh, it's just American movies, isn't it? Uh, is it just American movies? Pretty sure it's just American movies. Okay, so let me, re- let me redo my thing. Um, is it uh, the act of seeing with one's own eyes? No, that wasn't made in like the 70s. Oh, well, I, th- I thought you meant something that just recently had gone in. No, no. I mean the most recent movie, like in terms of year oh, of most... release. Oh, man. Sunspring? No, 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 no. That would be wonderful. But Whoa. it's 13 Lakes by James Benning. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I didn't know either. It went in 2014, 10 years after it was made. So good job, James Benning. How about that? It's a wonderful film. But it's not part of the IMDb Top 250, and it's not Modern Times of the Maltese Falcon. For one, it's not no, black no. and white. It's in color. Yes, uh, so I did the tale of the tape for Modern Times now, Maltese Falcon, uh, the 219th seed in our little tournament, written and directed by John Hewson, based on the book of the same name by Dashiell Hammett, uh, went zero for three at the Academy Awards, uh, was nominated for Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Sidney Greenstreet, and Best Adapted Screenplay for John Hewson. Ah, oh, man, I don't even know where to start with this, because these are... Two bonafide masterpieces. Yeah, I think I called them before capital M movies. Like, these are movies. Not just, like, when you think of movies, these are two of the movies that you inevitably come to mind so early on. They're just defined the art form. When people, when when the people who are cutting commercials for Turner Classic Movies, these are two of the movies <laughs> yes, that they use. Yes, yes. And for once, they deserve it. They both are fucking incredible. So Modern Times, I saw on Letterboxd, I forget who wrote mm-hmm. it, uh, said that it was one of the uh, the greatest movie about unemployment ever made, and I don't find a whole lot of reason to disagree. Yeah, I I think it's one of the most prescient films ever, too, the way that it discusses, it, it's a comedy, but it also discusses unemployment, it discusses poverty, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, disillusionment, alienation from one's work, uh, the way that industrialization depersonalizes the worker, 
uh, the police brutality, police brutality, uh, the way that communists are persecuted. There's the communist march early on where he accidentally uh, becomes the leader of and gets thrown into jail just for being communist. Yeah, it's like it's it's a great gag of uh, 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 a wide load flag or something falls off a truck that has a load that goes past the bed mm-hmm. and he picks it up. and He's like, hey, hey, you forgot your flag. And up comes a giant striking march behind him. It's great. Yeah, wonderful. And that's it's a movie built out of whereas Buster Keaton is just the gags. This is a movie with both incredible gags and a wonderful spirit and care for humanity. Yeah, I mean, if 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 uh, if Keaton is the brain, uh, Chaplin's the heart. C- I mean, clearly. Um, and uh, this is helped uh, in part or like a lot by the fact that uh, Paulette, Gar- uh, Paulette Goddard's character is like an actual character with motivations and you know presence. And like her own arc, you know, because a lot, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these sort of silent comedies have love interests, but a lot of the times they feel kind of, they feel underdeveloped. They're like, they're kind of because there has to be one there, but Paulette Goddard brings such personality, charisma to this, uh, to this role that, I mean, that's the, that's the difference maker in when we're talking Keaton versus Chaplin, that's the difference maker. It's. It's it's the characters. The tramp is a character, as you say. Yeah, uh, and uh, there's even going to like other Chaplin movies. Like you remember who the girl who works in the flower shop is in City Lights, for example. You remember oh, yeah. other people in Chaplin films. Whereas in Buster Keaton films, for better and for worse, I don't remember anybody but Buster Keaton. He's it's a Buster Keaton. He might show, as well yeah. be the only person in those movies. And, and even his characters are barely characters. Yes, like he doesn't have his own tramp character. He no, he he's just Buster I mean, Keaton. He's got, He's got the face. That's his. That's that's the trademark. Mm-hmm. But his trademark is the stunts. You know, there's whether, there's not uh, there's not uh, a politics or necessarily a humanity to the Buster Keaton characters. They're there as basically meatbags, and it's awesome. Don't get me wrong. I mean, those like I said before, some of the greatest stunts ever committed to film. But Chaplin is the total package. Certainly, and modern times is. I still prefer the Great Dictator because I'm a normie, but uh, it's a good ass movie though. Uh, Another masterpiece. And I think we watch it later on in this uh, in this uh, bracket thing. But Modern Times is certainly really close up there. Um, oh, shit. You, you want, let, let, here's a teaser for the people listening. Uh, further up in the bracket, very further up in the bracket, uh, tune in for the episode where we're going to do The Great Dictator versus Mad Max Fury Road. That's, that's two movies that I like a whole bunch, Derek. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, but you know, you know what other movie's really good? What other movie's really yeah. good? Do you know it? What other movie's really it's a movie good? movie called The Maltese Falcon. Oh, God damn it, you're right. <laughs> blast, blast, you're right. Both of these movies are awesome. I, I didn't want to move on. Is there anything else you want to say about modern times before we move on to the defining neo... Not neo-noir. The defining noir. The original noirs. The OG noirs. Um, modern times is, uh, beyond just being one of the great uh, movies about unemployment, it's one of the great movies, as I said before, about how much work sucks. Uh, there's a great acting choice in this where... Uh, Chaplin as the tramp basically has to tighten widgets just with like a couple of wrenches and then just keeps tightening everything even though he's not working like he's got almost like a tick he's like compelled to be productive um he's he's compelled 
Like, like you can't leave work, basically. It's, it's like you're always there. It's a specter of neoliberalism. It's it's so... It's a specter of neoliberalism. Neoliberalism, exactly. It's it's the individual being completely atomized and subsumed by the market. It being like, that is how all your interactions take place. That is what you are, is a figure in the market. And anything else is should be discarded. Anything else is not important. Instead, you are someone who literally leaves work, thinking about work, doing work, Everything is work constantly. Even like relationships between people are work. Even sleeping is work. Dreaming is work. Having fun is work. And it's eating lunch is it's work. All because labor. that's one of the it's all labor. But also the the lunch machine, yes. like that's just good. But also, yeah, this is a also this is a slapstick movie about neoliberalism. How fucked up is yeah. that? Um obviously it wasn't called that at the time. Neoliberalism's ra- no, no, no. rather newish phrase, but you can see the seeds of that kind of critique and that kind of outlook really being shown here. And then he goes on to do Great Dictator, so this is like, you know, Chaplin the political fucker. Chaplin is the original Antifa. So Maltese Falcon, Maltese Falcon is also a really fucking good movie. Oh, filled man. with so, a bunch of assholes doing asshole things uh, in the coolest way possible. It's so cool. This movie has two of my great, two of my favorite asshole character actors from the golden era of Hollywood. Uh, so, so you got Peter Lorre, who's just great. He, he does the Peter Lorre thing, and that's all you really need in this world is just Peter Lorre roasting dudes angrily. He's he's a master at it. And uh, the other one is Alicia Cook Jr., who always looks like he's about like you can't tell from his face whether he's about to break down crying or about to just garrot you yeah there's a great scene i I think his first scene in the movie is he's in a a hotel lobby basically tracking um humphrey bogart's character and uh humphrey bogart's just like laying into him being like i you're you're an amateur basically and he looks like he's like you're saying you're about to start crying because he's so hurt and insulted and so angry and frustrated that he's he's not the person he he is trying to be uh it's such a satisfying thing to watch and later on the movie when he attempts to shoot sam spade is (laughs) or the look on his face when uh what's his name sells him out uh uh the fat sydney greenstreet yes I think it's Sydney Greenstreet. Yes. yes, as uh, Casper Gutman. Gutman. Casper Gutman. Gutman. Um, it's and there's this also just wonderful scenes of acting. Yeah, it's just it's it's some of the coolest people to ever be cut on film acting, delivering some tasty purple dialogue from the pen of Dashiell Hammett, like probably the most purple of the classic uh, hard-boiled dudes, and and just. It's it's such a it's it's pleasurable. It's super pleasurable. Bogart's so fucking cool. He is delivering. He's delivering just just these perfect morsels of of noir and in a way that transcends cliche. It it goes so far above that. It's performed so well and so expertly and so charismatically that it doesn't fall into the traps that um, a lot of movies do when you go back and revisit them. A lot of classic movies, if you go and revisit them. You're like, oh, okay, like I see what's going on here, but also I've heard this so many times in pop culture. Like, how how impactful is it that. when Darth Vader says, "Luke, I'm your father now"? Really, like when you go back and watch it, it's satisfying, but it's not like it wasn't the same feeling as you would have gotten when you first saw it. Whereas Humphrey Bogart still works just as well. Bogart was such a commanding screen presence that he has one of the most. Uh, he's probably one of the most parodied leading men of all time going back to like cartoons and like radio Mm -hmm. shit and it's still awesome and just the bogart stuff alone runs the very real risk of wallowing in cliche this casablanca 
uh, in a lonely place, uh, African, just all his shit and his manner of speech, his diction, his delivery, his screen presence is so iconic. And yet it's still, it, it doesn't feel stale at all. And we've been watching Humphrey Bogart films for like 80 years. Yeah. And uh, the best scene in the movie, in my opinion, is when it's just him and Peter Lorre the first time they meet in the office, just going back and forth <laughs> and uh, Bogart knocks out Lorre and then Lorre wakes back up and Bogart like gives him back his gun and like uh, to like leave essentially saying like, hey, get out of here. And he he tries to stick him up again for the same this exact same way he was doing previously. And then the scene ends. Yeah. He like chuckles and the scene ends. It fades to black and then we just go on to the next thing because that's how noir movies work. It's like just stuff happens. It's the thing people talk, that people like about happens. noir, I think a lot of times where it's these two scumbags who both almost respect each other because they know the other person's a scumbag too. Right. And there's no shortage of scumbags in this movie. Yeah, it's a movie filled with them. There's no good people in here. And I think that's one of the reasons that it actually works. I think there's a lot of ways to end this movie that aren't the ending we have here that could have failed it but instead we get an ending where we don't really know the answer to the mystery everyone's kind of disappointed no one gets what they want and it's satisfying doesn't does anyone ever really get to the bottom of anything in a noir film though i, I think you you could make this movie where oh secretly he stashed the multi the real maltese falcon somewhere else and this was a copy that he made or something like that you could imagine i could imagine that movie and the first time i saw this when i was younger that's what i thought was going to happen Right. But instead, nope, it's a fake and the real one maybe exists somewhere. Also, it's Templar treasure, which I forgot. It's like literally like treasure from the Knights Templar. <laughs> so it's Dan Brown can credit this for his career. <laughs> uh, and Umberto oh. Eco for the pre- pretentious us. But. <laughs> uh, Umberto Eco. I've written a lot about Umberto Eco for a guy who hasn't read a lot of them. Have you read uh, Foucault's Pendulum? I've not. I I saw it there. I had like a I had like a sliding doors moment while I was working at a at a thrift store where I saw a copy of Foucault's Pendulum on these shelves and did not buy it. I could never find it. So you you got to read it. It's it is the smartest dumb book I've ever read. I love it. I I will say this, and uh, this is classic. You know, uh, dunce who prefers movie stuff, but in the name of the rose, fucking rules. It does. That's a good ass fucking movie. And uh, but now I gotta fucking think about which of these two movies to move on because they're both masterpieces. I don't know. <laughs> um. Yes. I mean, I guess I'll start. So. This is so tough, Michelle. Uh. Sorry. Like he, this is so tough. Here's the thing: we've already lost an episode where I've already made my mind up. I'm still not sure that was the right call. Well, you'll have a chance to so, change it this time if you want to. Because oh, I'm sticking with what I said last time. I'm sticking with Modern Times. I'm going to keep it here. I think it's both one of the best silent comedies ever made, one of the best Charlie Chaplin films ever made, and a really wonderful statement about work and capital. And I think The Maltese Falcon is fucking cool as hell. And maybe maybe the coolest film in like a very classic sense. Mm-hmm. But it's not a lot more than that. Not that every movie has to be this epic thing about capitalism, obviously. But... Um, it does make it easier for me to discount it than it is for me to discount modern times. God damn. Um, I mean, okay. if, if you, if you think that capitalism shouldn't ever be criticized, then you'll just go with Maltese Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> See that that's how, that's uh, how I'm going to win all these. I'm just going to set up terrible false dichotomies like that. Well, here's the thing. Everyone's chasing this proverbial bag of money in the shape of a bird. So, you know, capitalism comes out looking like, comes out looking bad in most movie casts. Fair. Yes. Um, 
<laughs> but I think I'm yeah I think I'm gonna go with what I what I said pre. I think uh, Maltese Falcon is both of these are like top hundred movies for me. By the way, these are both Pantheon. Uh, Maltese Falcon is definitely like top three noir. It's one of the great OG noirs and just straight up one of the best films of the 40s. But I think Modern Times has like a real legitimate one of the best movies. So I'm going to agree with you and make Modern Times. Okay. So so you so you heard it here first, folks. Uh, next time or in round two, when we get to this level of the bracket, you will see Three Idiots versus Modern Times. What a matchup. What a season. Oh, what a season. Oh, God. What have we done, Michelle? This is so weird. Um, so for the next episode, when people are finally recovered from this one, uh, <laughs> it, what is it going to be? What movies are we watching? It, we're going to be doing two more, uh, two more matchups. Uh, they are The Hunt versus The General. So we get to contend with them. So we still have a shot at, uh, Keaton V. I Chapel think that's in the three. widest time span of any single matchup we've, we have in this whole bracket. That's like what nineteen twenty six versus twenty twelve. That's correct. Yeah, that's unless there's something else that I'm not thinking of. That is pretty ridiculous. No, I think the general is is the general the oldest movie. We, no, Sherlock yeah, Jr. Is, Sherlock Jr. is twenty four. So, and the other matchup that we're going to be doing is Spirited Away, so our first Ghibli movie, and a Wednesday, which is uh, a Bollywood uh, thriller, uh, crime thriller. Yeah, yeah. What another movie I hadn't heard of before we did this list. Same. I had no idea this was a movie that existed before. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Um, if people want to get mad at me on Twitter about uh, using my first veto on Three Idiots, uh, go ahead and at me <laughs> at uh, Space Jam Fan. How about you, Derek? Uh, if you want to, for some reason, argue with me that Maltese Falcon isn't one of the great OG noirs of all time, I guess you could email. Uh, you could get in, ton- get in touch with me at Derek underscore G on Twitter. Or if you want to get uh, jumped down both of our throats, you can actually just go to the pod's uh, Twitter account, which is at middlebrowpod. Sure is. Or or if Twitter is not your thing, you can go ahead and send us a sternly worded email at middlebrowmadness at gmail.com. Yeah. All right. I, can, I am looking at the uh, waveforms scroll across my screen so I can guarantee you that this has recorded. Okay. Well, don't, don't count your chickens before we end this episode properly. Until next time. All right. I've been Michelle Arf. I've been Derek Gade. Have movies be jolly. Good night, everybody. Good night.